edition of the other kind radio talk radio this is episode 49 for those of you who are keeping count and today is march 31st last day of march 2019 this weekly podcast is where the other kind radio is the name and pop culture is our game my name is jeff i'm one of your hosts if you're returning, if you are a returning kind listener, welcome back. Uh, we hope you had a good week. Hope everything's going well for you. And uh, we hope I'm reading my notes from last week, and we're and we hope you were able to drink from the cup that is pop culture and enjoy a little downtime, folks. I didn't write a new intro this week. I got some compliments last week, so I'm sticking with what works. Except I've just ruined it by explaining to you what I'm doing. For those of you who are a first-time listener, congratulations on navigating the podcast maze to find us. We are glad you are here and want you to enjoy the show again. I guess if you were a return listener, it would be the first time you're hearing us. Never mind. Okay. As always, we encourage listeners to like, subscribe, rate our show as it helps feed the algorithm which keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. We also encourage you to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we always have that oh-so-fancy, oh-so-new-and-fresh-smelling, I'm talking about electronic mail, and if you go to the two portion of your email software program and type in info at theotherkindradio.com, and then send us your thoughts uh, and hit send, then uh, we'll read them, and either they'll, we'll promise that we'll read it, and it'll then be three weeks later, um, or we'll figure something out. All right. So enough of that blabbering. Let's bring on the better half of the show. He's a movie maker, guitar player, drum major, book author, and all around Renaissance man. Let's welcome Todd. I was never a drum major. Can you scratch that? He was never once a drum major. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Todd. Hi. Hey, Todd. This is new, short, and abbreviated, Todd. I'm only going to simply give you highs. I didn't, Hi, get, I didn't even get a chance to get a cup of coffee or a drink of coffee in there. Great. I want to know why when we do the, pre, the pre-portion of the show, I sound one way in my ears, and now it sounds completely different. And I know we have audio files. It, was, it got down to 23 degrees last night here in Omaha, and so I have the heater on, which means we have background noise, but I think we'll be okay. Yeah, we had a, a cold snap here in Dallas that actually got us into the 30s last night. So I'm trying to be a nice guy while my wife is out of town. I planted a bunch of her flowers and they all died. Oh, no. And it's like, seriously, they got out there and that went out today and they're just laying down because of the cold. Oh. I thought, really? Is that going to get you in trouble? No. Okay. I'm just no, checking. Not at all, but it sure doesn't add the wow factor you hope when your wife comes home. Hey, I, oh, yeah. your plants died. Look. <laughs> Look what didn't happen. Hey, I killed your plans. Is, we should do a podcast that's about stuff that didn't happen. 
Oh, God, that's the story of my life. I, I really don't want to get into that, Jeff. <laughs> so you had a good week. You were I had a great week in town. Did you have some more uh, arrows and and arch arrows? They should. If there's the dog, the, I, and he's going wild down there. Is he? He's just. He's like, I want to be on. Nobody wants. <laughs> yes, we we did have arrows today. Uh, this week was the state archery tournament, and I would love to report back and say that my daughter killed it. I will say this: the, so I've said it before. They shoot at ten meters, then at fifteen. Yeah, you can score a total of one hundred fifty points at each distance, and at ten meters, she scored one hundred forty-seven out of one hundred fifty. Ooh! But when she got to fifteen, she has what's called um, target panic. Another coach has called it target distraction. Apparently, according to this coach, it affects 75% of the top archers that they get to the point where they simply cannot do it. Hmm. It's a mental thing. And so we're going to work past that. She she struggled at 15, but, you know, there are those moments when you look at your kid and they face a struggle with a little bit of their chin up yeah. and you're proud of them. So she, she did great. We'll get past it and we'll move on to next year. But I will say this. Thank God it's over for a year. What is it they say? You learn more from your uh, failures than you do your successes. So, well, that's simply because there's so many more failures right. than there are successes. Right. right. That always makes you feel good. Like the other things, like oh, there's many fish in the sea, and you're like, ah, what does that doesn't help me with the fact that I didn't get a cheeseburger today? So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> makes some Boy, sense. Boy, this is a reverent talk it, today. It is. It is minimalist, reverent. In fact, uh, Todd and I during the uh, the pre-call. The pre-show, the call before the show. The pre-production of the pre-call. It is Yes, it has taken 46 years, but my superpower has been discovered. Todd, what is my superpower? Jeff, with great dexterity. <laughs> right. Can minimalize the grandest of concepts into the biggest screw you moment that's ever been delivered by one human being and he does it so succinctly that you almost you almost think that you've been complimented even though you've just been told what a schmuck you are and he is now again dexterity i don't i don't i don't do it in the matter of of schmuckery i do it just because in my mind it's funny and it's what's happening in my eternal thought box which is we were talking about there's a movie coming out called tolkien which is yes, you guessed it, folk, uh, folks. A um, a movie about what is it? R.J. Tolkien, J.J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> oh my God! Whatever. J.R.R. Tolkien. By the way, that was a little bit of right, what he can do. Oh, who is it? I'm sorry. Is it P.J. Tolkien? Is it? I, I, I know that there was. Uh, well, yeah. Is he the guy that did Barnum and Bailey Circus? I don't know what he does. I, who is he? Right. You got Tolkien that opened up the chain of donut shops. Then the, his brother. <laughs> Bob Tolkien. No, but anyway, there's a movie coming out about Tolkien and about his childhood. And to me, the first thing I thought was then I related it to the movies that were made on The Hobbit and everything else, which were directed by Peter Jackson. Very good. Yeah. Woo. And I just remember all of those movies being long. So I thought the audio catch or little snippet should be Tolkien. And you thought The Hobbit was long. Because, you know, and then and then I think I I think I minimalized Tolkien's life <laughs> by, by saying it was a long movie, but it was done out of love. Is he still with us? Oh, good Lord. No. OK, good. Um, I do believe he's been dead longer than I've been alive. I don't know. I mean, no, you know, not that long. He could have written the books when he was like six. Isn't that what happened with the Harry Potter movies? Didn't she write them like, I don't know, 
there. She's still with us, right? I have no idea where you're taking this. I don't know how this became. Let's talk about Dead Tolkien's people. death and is he longer and how this became Harry Potter. And this is a little bit, again, of your minimalistic attitude. Right. So, well, you, we announced my superpower, so I had to I had to show it a few times. So, okay, so you had a good week, and, and uh, yes, uh, just like when baseball season's over, uh, yes, there is that uh, portion that is like, thank God, um, the, the, the younger one, he, his baseball level is, is still, well, not now, it's getting better, but began at the fact that it would take 45 minutes to get the catcher to the, throw the ball to the pitcher, <laughs> and what I would do was sit there and do radio commentary. <laughs> to help entertain myself so i didn't you know like punch myself um but um um okay so good now my week i went to uh vegas for a few days uh on business vegas is very 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 tiring and i'm not just saying it's all the you know nightclubbing and and drinking that i do um not but just it's just a lot of people and it's a lot of people that because they're on generally on vacation they i don't know what it is about a town where you can walk around with a beer in your hand that just makes everybody get wild but it is uh definitely uh a lot of deep breathing and trying to maintain calm while others around you are just being crazy and now that the cell phones are big it's just more people walking around, not paying attention to where they're going. Uh, they're just all dressed up and have heels on and stuff like that. But outside I, of Vegas, it's actually a, a nice town and they're nice people. It's just down on the strip. Things get a little too. I need some 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 of my own little air or space to breathe in, so to speak. I don't really understand Vegas. It's funny that you went and did this. I had friends through through archery that they went and spent three or four or five days there and the husband likes to gamble and the, oh it was great we relaxed and i'm like how is that yeah. city relaxing because you're gonna lose money it's built for you to lose it is yeah. not built for you to win right there are so many people and most of them smell bad <laughs> it's just simple you walk down the street and it's like oh god you either smell like you know drunken alcohol exuding from your skin or you've yes. been up all night i just i and and what you're even saying the crowds can get so immense that you don't even have a chance to breathe i hate to knock las vegas i don't get it i've never gotten it you know my child would say hey can we go and i'm like i'll take you yeah but just no dad hates it yeah yeah it's it's uh it's definitely its own little unique way of of running and and then it has its own set of rules now like i said um you know we took lifts and ubers and stuff while we were down there and every driver was really nice and and you know was accommodating and and i would talk their ear off because i wanted to know what the local opinion and word on the street was about uh the raiders coming to the town and mm. nobody is really happy um everybody unanimously unanimously is disappointed they didn't get the charges or the rams was it the rams or the chargers i think they wanted the the rams yeah the rams and so they're concerned about that and then everybody's going to complain about traffic and everything so it was it was kind of interesting to hear that um hmm. bit of a bit of fun but like i said a lot of good people once you kind of get off the strip and i'm sure that's you know it's not locals that are down there acting like jack wagons and, and getting hammered and walking around with their face in their cell phone i think all those people live 
uh, way far from this trip. But it was Vegas. It was a successful trip. I have uh, a client that goes there every other year. So every other year, I get to spend 10 days in Vegas. And I usually get, wow, that's so cool. But it's not. Because by day 10, you're ready to get out of there. And the fact that the airport has slot machines and just everybody's still pounding drinks like it's going out of business, uh, you're never really away until you step into that different airport or, you know, out when you get home. There are very few locations on the face of the earth that after 10 days, I'm not ready to go home. <laughs> you know, even if I I want to go to Greece, I really want to experience it. And I have a feeling after 10 days, it'd be like, this has been fantastic. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Greece is great. <laughs> wow. But... There was minimalistic Jeff. Yep. <laughs> Greece is great. Um, <laughs> Greece is the word. Yeah. Greece is the word. Which has nothing to do with like the actual area of Greece, which is I was thinking I was expecting a whole documentary and instead it was a bunch of teenagers dancing and racing cars. But I bet you felt really good when you saw my big fat Greek waiting and he said, Now that is Greek. Yeah. That is Greek. Oompa. Funny you mentioned that. We just recently watched that. I'm sorry. I love that movie. Oh, really oh my god what's that the second one is horrible but the first one's funny first off the woman that is the lead uh-huh. is the single worst actress ever who just faces everything with this wide-eyed look of what what <laughs> what then the entire family is this over exaggeration of greek stereotypes that if we put that in texas everybody would be talking just like this because every talk if we're from texas we talk like that oh my god it's that is one of the worst movies ever i, wow. I my wife watches that and every time i'm like that is a piece of crap oh i loved it we 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 like it we laugh at a few of the lines in there but that's good to know it's good to know it's not on your on your top 10 list as far as uh sorry that's you just happened to touch a nerve there i really hate that movie with a lot of passion won't even bring it up again hey everybody it's the over loud obnoxious typewriter i bet if that typewriter had a brand name it would be jeff because it's loud and annoying. Aww. But that sound and that little ding means we're going to go to headlines for today's show. And we don't have a lot of them, but we do have some follow-up. And um, one thing that I just saw that I thought that was interesting is, didn't know, but we are celebrating now the 35-year anniversary for Romancing the Stone, which I remember seeing on VHS when I was young. I remember being... A little uncomfortable because there's some sex scenes, not really sex scenes, but makeout scenes that are in it. And I was watching it with my parents. So, you know, it was kind of like the first time there was some stuff happening on the screen and I was in the same room as my parents. So that was a little weird. Um, so I'd like I'd like to uh, ask uh, the Renaissance man himself. Uh, did you first of all, have you seen this film? I have. OK. And- all right. <laughs> It would have been a real short uh, interview if you'd said no. <laughs> um, okay, so what? Obviously, we just heard about uh, my big fat Greek wedding. What did you? What did you think of *Romancing the Stone*? And I believe it was directed by Zemeckis. It was yeah. Robert Zemeckis did direct that. I'm actually trying to find out where that fits in his career. Yeah, because I was. Um, and while you're looking, I was just trying to think because I think this was a pretty early on film for Michael Douglas. Oh no. Douglas had a lot more before that, too. Yeah, I I was just saying that it was not the beginning for Douglas. Um, (laughs) And then then the woman that that plays uh, Joan Joan Wilder. um, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. um, 
I don't know where that sat in here. So if you want to get, fill us in on that. So you're basically looking at with Zemeckis. Zemeckis had a couple of films um, out of film school. Uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, which is a sort of telling of the Beatles story. And it's an incredibly sweet, cute film. Then he has Used Cars, which I believe is Kurt Russell. And that has a huge cult following. But then he gets Romancing the Stone. And there's no doubt what that does for his career, because the next thing he makes is Back to the Future. It's oh. this was definitely a stepping stone towards that. Now I believe he, Back to the Future was already in production, but it definitely cemented what he was able to do. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Romancing the Stone is kind of a a nod in a way towards Raiders of the Lost Ark, but more of a female version of it, where the the female is the protagonist and the in, Indiana Jones is kind of the secondary male love character. And what I guess thirty five years I could do some math, but that means it came out what in eighty. Uh, what was I say eighty four? So, also, when written, the women's role was definitely had not been, uh, should I say, take it takes advantage of all the stereotypes uh, that were in play back in that year as far as the damsel in distress and everything. Um, one thing that I remember about this movie was it's one of those few ones where you really feel like you you're go on a, an entire adventure. Um mainly because she starts out you know she's a writer so she's uh you know finishing up a book and she receives uh some mail and her sister's being held captive and she needs to come down and do some stuff to help save her um so you of course have the, the actual change in location from city to jungle and there there along the trails she runs into uh douglas and they begin their their adventure it has a very memorable role from uh <clears throat> of the guy that's in it's always sunny um danny devito Dan De danny devito and it was a movie i think for me that you know was had humor and had a little bit of everything i think and i, I haven't seen it in a while but i i would think that it stays stays fresh just sticks up i mean it's not on the afi top 100 but it's a fun film to watch right yeah, actually, it's funny this comes up because I, I ran across it a year ago or so. It was on TV, and I missed maybe the first 15 minutes, but I watched it. I was like, that's still a cute film. Yeah. It's a lot of fun if you want a date night movie that guys who are adverse to date night movies, yeah, you yeah. might like this because it has some action. It has some humor. <clears throat> yeah. It's a lot of fun. Do you remember what uh, when they go to that one guy's house that plays the – that plays um, – in, in the three amigos he plays the bad guy el jefe okay remember when they go to his house and romancing the stone and they're going there because he has a mule why am i forgetting that scene so there's they're like you need to go see this guy he has a mule and so they show up and everything and and the mule turns out to be like this badass jeep called pepe yes yes i'm, I'm sorry kind listener i'm sure you're you're head tired now but yeah, I, I, I like that movie. Thirty-five years, uh, we're checking out again, and I just kind of skimmed over the article in Variety, and I guess they had a bunch of adventures because they had shot in the in the jungle and mudslides and rain and everything else. And Zemeckis told uh, his head writer uh, once they had completed shooting the movie that if um, anybody had sent that sent <clears throat> excuse me if anybody sent him a script with the words. Uh, exterior jungle night and rain that he would not do the film he had uh, had enough of uh, trying to film a movie in all of those uh, conditions 
you know, I do recall reading that there were a lot of problems like that. And Zemeckis, for those that don't know, was an early protege of Spielberg. And Spielberg's, you know, initial claim to fame, that, that leap into the the zeitgeist of everything pop culture was Jaws. So he shoots that on water. And I know that they've commiserated between the two of them. Don't ever shoot on water and don't shoot in the jungle. And kids and pets. But how funny you should bring that. You, you, part of your new uh, intro was going to say that you are uh, the master of Segway. <laughs> Takes us uh, away from our 35-year-old, an- our 35-year-old, good Lord, 35-year anniversary for Romancing the Stone. And we can reset, transition to our next story, which again continues to be another, uh, another bit of... Uh, uh, news that won't go away for those kind listeners that are, are uh, kind listeners and repeat listeners you'll know that uh, Spielberg has been making a lot of noise about Netflix and their films and why he doesn't think they should have uh, be in contention for Oscars and stuff well Lottie freaking da earlier this week Apple you know announced their big streaming uh, product and Oh my, look who is there to talk about how great streaming services were, but Mr. Steven Spielberg. And with the details, here's Todd. So that the article comes across this week that, and this is Variety's headline, Steven Spielberg's Apple appearance riles up social media with a big old mixed message. <laughs> you know, you you don't get to come out and knock one streaming service to build another without people saying, Okay, what was your motivation to begin this attack in the first place? Um, I I went to lunch with my parents yesterday, and I've said before how I was raised on movies, and we were talking about. I asked if they'd seen Spielberg's comments, and no, they don't. They're they're old enough; they don't read the internet. But I, I tell them what's going on. I said, so let me run through the the, the greatest TV movies ever by this count. I, I went through, and of course, my mom's like, "Oh, I've never seen Doctor Zhivago on the big screen. This is TV TV movie." Well. You start thinking like this and you start wondering, why are you being such a curmudgeon, Steven Spielberg? Oh, it's because somebody paid you to be. (gasps) Somebody gave you something because he's bringing amazing stories back. Uh Now, what I guarantee you will happen. Amazing stories is the start. He will eventually uh, launch a movie on Apple. I guarantee it. And, and, you know, it was funny because I was thinking about that as well, uh, because I asked you if it was money. I said, "Does somebody paying him to be all icky sticky on 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 Netflix?" And you were so quick to point out and looked it up on the web that you know he's worth like a half a billion dollars his net worth or whatever. But I think the one thing that there's a you know the combination of money and ego, even if you don't need it, right to 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 yeah. survive or sustain you know your lifestyle is a powerful combo so can you tell us what what happened i mean so we kind of just see they announced their product and they came out and like had a giant red netflix sweatshirt on or something or you know really all it was is once he he made the appearance it's in the video that that when they launched it and here he was bringing now he didn't step he may have stepped on the stage in fact i think he did i'm so repulsed by this that i i I actually (laughs) found myself not reading the articles which is countered the way i usually that's am, awesome but. well we'll just be like every other journalist that's out there right now i apologize that's not true um but i do remember seeing a picture of him with uh oprah and tim cook and himself standing there 
Well, I found in the article, it does say that that it the the quote was, you want me to help with your opener, rang out Spielberg's voice over a black screen. <sighs> he art directed the opening shot of the short, which featured testimonies from the likes of J.J. Abrams, Octavia Spencer, Jennifer Aniston, and Reese Witherspoon about the filmed content, what film content means to global audiences. Spielberg then took the stage of the Steve Jobs Theater to discuss his Amblin Entertainment series, Amazing Stories, that has been ordered by Apple. Did he bring? Did he bring his Oscar? Uh, he wears that in his pants. I was going to say that would have <laughs> been funny if I came out and set that down on the table. Well, you know, there you go. It's it's so transparent, and I, I I guess really we shouldn't be surprised by this kind of thing. These people cut deals. They have friendships. They band together. They think things, but. Mr. Spielberg, you've you have such an amazing career. You've been so influential to so many of us that love this this art form. Please shut up. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll give him a big a big buzz on that. All right, so that's headlines. Thank you for joining us. Let's go ahead and get the typewriter out. The angry yes, sir. dear Stephen. Please stop talking about streaming services when you are streaming yourself. Brought to you by The Other Kind Radio. Let's move on, reach into the old cupboard here, and get out uh, the warm sound of the projector. Last week we had a joint Todd takes on, Jeff's judgment on. This week, Todd's all by himself. Todd, what's your take on this week? Apparently my dog barking is what it's on. Um, I finally got to see the Academy Award winning film, If Bill Street Could Talk. What? Um, yeah. It came out available on digital platform? Well, Jeff, funny you should say that because uh, apparently my dog is really wound <laughs> up. I'm sorry about that, kind listeners. Um, he just so wants to I, be on what's the thesis. He's like, hey, uh, I got I got dog code words to use. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Good Lord, dog. So... I told Jeff how I wanted to see this film, wanted to see this film. Barry Jenkins, the director, made Moonlight, which won the Academy Award a few years before, and I wasn't as big of a fan of that as some people were. I found it to be a little disjointed. I didn't really care for some of the things of it. But I, I'm beginning to wonder if my wife is home. It just all of a sudden occurred to me. Well, anyway, I, can, I can vamp if you want to poke your head down there real quick. Vamp for a second. Okay, or we I'll can, vamp. You know, whatever you want to do. Give me a second. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're going to use the magic technology of the pause button. We'll be back. What will be for you instant, but it'll be a few moments here on the other kind radio. That's what you're listening to. We'll be right back. So this film has lingered in limbo for a long time on direct TV of the, Hey, it's here. You can watch pay-per-view, but to do it, you have to pay 26 bucks to own it. Well, I got burned with that with green book. <laughs> wanting to see a movie enough and I buy yep. it. And then yep. I was like, Oh God, I'm not doing that again. Yep. So I've waited. And every Tuesday when they update that list, I go and look and go and look and lo and behold this week, there it is for rental five ninety nine. On, now, on the same day, I decided to kind of peruse around. I'm like, okay, let's see what else. And I went over to Hulu and there on Hulu is if bill street could talk for free. Wow. But does it have the commercial breaks in it? I pay for the Hulu thing where there's, uh, and they don't, they also don't in certain commercial breaks in movies. I don't think, do they? I don't know. I don't have the paid version and I don't watch my movies on it, but I was just wondering. Because, okay. but, yeah. It, it's just the perplexing thing of, first off, a, a film like this that 
I get why they want to make their money, but are you really going to sell this film if no one's seen it and no one's watching a pay-per-view version of it? Why would they buy it? Yeah. I I don't, I understand providing the option because I'm going to tell you right now, it was one of my favorite films this past year. Ooh. I just was floored by every aspect of it. But I I question the strategy of yeah. pay, 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 pay. Oh, now you can get it. Now it's free. And it, none of it makes any sense. Well, let's talk about that real quick, too, because I was saying to you in our, our pre, pre-show pre conference meeting talk concern about this show thing um, <laughs> that it seems to be a little bit of the wild, wild west out there right now. I mean, you know, you can, some of you can, some of you can't. Sometimes it's a, a, a just an outrageous amount of time. Plus, you, you and I have talked about the fact that some of these movies are Oscar contenders and we want to see them, but, you know, we all have budgets and we can't go spend, you know, $200 on, on buying films when we just want to view them and have some knowledge about them when we're trying to do our um, Oscar picks. And, you know, to me, when you go see a movie in a movie theater, you are renting it, right? You get, you don't get to take anything home with you, you know, except uh, uh, maybe some of the leftover candy and everything. So then if you think about it, I understand they want to sell copies of the movie, but you would think that just to bolster, and I understand there's a part agreement with, you know, theaters not wanting it to be available digitally, but I still think we're on in the early days and in a bit of the wild wild west of it because again you have people that want to watch the movie but don't want to buy it they want to just be able to rent it and especially with digital theater homes and everything now I mean why not be able to rent it within a reasonable time of it being released that should still count you know they contract that stuff should be uh, still va- uh, visible as far as what money's being spent on the sh- on the movie so it's not going to hurt them there. But it, I, I totally yeah. agree, Jeff. I, I, I could find no sound reasoning of a business approach with this film in particular, because if Bill Street could talk, Sorry. hit the theaters, and it was gone within a week or two, that as far as I could tell around yeah. where I yeah. live, and, and again, I live in Dallas, so I should be able to find it. Now, now whether I decide I've, if I want to drive into deep Dallas or not, you know, is my choice, but... I could not find this film. I could not find it once the Academy Award nominations hit, which is usually where the cynicism comes in. Yeah. The nominations come out, the films are back out. It's a big commercial to get you to go watch movies. Um, I couldn't find it. And when it finally shows up on here, I can't access it because you're putting a barrier up because I'm not willing to pay you for that, which I don't know if I'm going to enjoy. And there's no sound reasoning to this. So when, when Hollywood gets down to, how we consume these things because you know i've i've talked about you've talked about bad experiences at the theaters yep. how we're having to curtail when and what we we see and how when we're willing to go to the theater for it there should be an avenue especially for small films like this where the distributors go wow are we really making that much more money by just putting it in theaters right or should we open this up to anybody who wants to see it because ultimately as an artist isn't your desire to have people to see your creation right and instead i get that this is anyone that doesn't understand show business show is not the operative word business is yeah yeah you invest money in this you have to make the money back i get it but you you can't convince me that there isn't a way to okay if it's 26 dollars to buy it 5.99 to rent it maybe initially upon initial release it's 
ten dollars to rent it. Right. Or, or whatever it costs in an average theater to go see it. I mean, if it's right. eight dollars, then it's eight dollars. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just feel like there's some old old thinking um, when it comes to some of that logic. And I, I agree with you that, you know, just make it available because if people really want to go to a movie theater to watch it, they'll do it. But again, uh, you know, your stories and then, you know, my memories, uh, to me, there's not much difference between climbing on a plane for two and a half hours or going to a movie theater because you are you don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know how considerate they're going to be. You know, the people that are looking at the phones are the same people, the people that have to take their shoes off on a plane, which is, I don't want to get on that tangent. That's a huge question mark in my head, why people take their shoes off on a plane. But, um, yeah, they should be readily available. And you would think because the more eyeballs, you know, possible in some ways and the podcast, I know, is a newer, newer medium. But, I mean, you can get picked up and you can get out there and, yeah, you want to be on everybody's uh, platform so that, you know, if you're a Stitcher user or or, you know, another way of a podcatcher service, then it's on there and you don't have to say, no, we're only available on just this one. And you have to abide by their rules to be able to listen to it. So it seems a little backwards to me. It does, you know, but the great thing is I finally got to yes. see this film. Yes. Uh, if you don't know, this is uh, director Barry Jenkins uh, adapting a book from James Baldwin that tells the story of a woman in Harlem who embraces her pregnancy while she and her family struggle to prove her fiance innocent of a crime. Um, what struck me is that in a year with Roma, where Roma tells a very quiet story of the women that helped to raise a family mm -hmm. this being both the mother and the, the workers this tells the story of a mother trying to raise her family essentially mm -hmm. and it, it regina king who won the oscar and is man there i'll tell you this there is one shot and i want you to say when it's a little about two-thirds of the way through the film and mm -hmm. she's arrived somewhere to do something important Man, there are times when the look of an actor combined with the cinematography encapsulates a character's being in a shot. Yeah. As she's walking camera positive right towards the camera, I was like, oh, my God, that alone made me think, holy crap, she deserved this award. But really what I thought was, man, I wish I just wish the Academy, instead of giving one award, yeah. would go to the ladies in Roma. Yeah. And to Regina King go, you all three deserve something because all of them, good Lord, are so yeah. powerful. This is a beautiful film. Yes, it, ta it tackles some, some race issues and things like that. And if there's one criticism I have, there's a point in it which an, a police officer is a little bit too racist. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes uh, the, the great directors of the world will pull back that, that, that anger just a skosh so that it doesn't play as, you know, a silly over the top right villain. and that's my only criticism criticism of the film i had also heard regina king say that um the cinematographer and as soon as i want it, it's not in front of me but she said and i'm looking up his name i'll sure. say this she yeah, said yeah. there is no one that shoots african-american people better uh -huh. and, uh, his name is james laxton and for those of you that are curious he's actually a white guy mm. i will tell you this that man plays with light in a way I've never seen it before because he finds the reds and the yellows of skin tone where it almost makes it just come alive. Right. It's one of the most beautifully shot films that I've seen since what was it? Mudbound that we mm -hmm. both yeah. love. Oh yeah. This is a beautifully shot film. So 
here it is again, hand in hand with Roma wins the cinematography award. And we both talked about how beautiful that was. Yeah. This guy did an equal job. And so once again, hate that anyone had to win because he deserves some attention too. That's such a such a great point of uh, kind of talking about that and then how to be recognized and and then you know in the same in the same breath and sorry folks if we got too knee deep in the whole releasing and not having being available but I'm glad you saw it because I'm going to see it now uh, as well um, just based off of your your reaction to it and your recommendation because again another uh, not to beat a dead horse but the other thing is. I've forgotten about that movie because it hasn't been out for so long. So I need to make sure I go back, search it. Now that I know it's uh, on Hulu, then uh, we'll be more than happy to do that. Um, so when walking away from, okay, so I have to ask my usual. Uh, so during the movie, did you have snacks? No. So, you know, without getting too into the movie presentation, I, I have a lone weekend this weekend. My wife and daughter oh. are away. I'm going into my movie theater ready to, to watch this movie uh-huh. and my projector bulb burns out. <gasps> Sorry about that. Yeah. So I didn't get to watch it on my nice big screen. So I went into the bedroom and sat in the bed. This is how powerful a film was. I was in right. my bed with the TV in there yeah. and that movie erased everything around me i didn't oh. have any snacks i just watched the movie okay so no snacks and then at the end i mean do you walk away a little a little hopeful a little happier is it is it going to be something like 12 years a slave where after you watch it it takes you a couple days to get out of it i'm going to be honest what i thought was amazing about this and and i get a little bit of tired head when people are like i don't want to see another thing about racism well i hate to tell you we yeah. live in a world that has right. an issue with that yeah. so our art is often going to reflect what we we struggle with I found immense amounts of hope Mm. within this story. It's a very quiet story. Mm -hmm. It's a story about love. It really is. And what I think is amazing are the directors like Barry Barry Jenkins that can find the essence of a novel and make it feel like you're watching a novel on screen because it really does feel a little different than your average film. It isn't just actors talking. There's a presence to the movie that rides even above what you're seeing there so it's a very sweet loving message about family and what we will do to survive well i'm interested now and there you have it uh if bill street could talk um todd says uh, gives it a thumbs up or three stars or eight unicorns whatever uh measuring stick you use he gives it eight that. unicorns that's that's the official one from now on eight unicorns <laughs> and uh we'll uh we'll make sure we go see it and uh tuck that projector away thank you todd appreciate that that brings us to jeff's judgment on and uh this this week's judgment uh from jeff is on a netflix uh show that we actually talked about in our bunny making season tv preview and for those of you that that wondered uh the whole bunny making was uh my my attempt at being creative and and saying spring so uh here on center stage we're going to kind of have a spring preview of some movies as well but anyway uh love death and robots uh i can't remember i think it's like 15 or 16 episodes and they're all short science fiction stories and when i say short um i they i don't think any of them go longer than 15 minutes and so I was really excited. I uh, loaded up the uh, the iPad and, and have it available. Um, one thing to note, um, it is a little uh, not safe for work. And uh, the characters are anatomically correct. And... <laughs> 
I uh, was on the plane watching it and trying to make sure I was shielding my iPad from uh, occasional animated uh, penises, boobs, and um, the JJs that were kind of flying across the screen. <laughs> uh, Wait, hang on, hang on. I, I have to stop right there. So I, I thought, do we say penises <laughs> right. on the on radio? So we, we say the anatomically correct term there right but but we get to the female and we go for jj <laughs> we don't say vagina we say jj so i at least I, I i'm so glad that as we continue this relationship yes. we define the rules as we go right exactly well my thought process there my, my i used my superhero uh power and because i have one i felt penis was <laughs> was okay was okay to say but because i don't have a I you know a you penis. Do, I don't have a JJ. I said JJ, and I am sorry if I um, offended anybody or did not use the correct one. So please send all complaints or comments to info info at theotherkindradio.com. Now back to our show. Um, so the first <laughs> story, and I think it's uh, Sonny's game or Sonny's advantage. Basically, is a futuristic city where they have um, giant battles between monsters, and the monsters are controlled from the minds using technology of two of the combatants. And it's just gorgeous and really well done. And I could say that about every story that's on there. Um, In the age of the eight or nine, ten hour-long episodes that we get out of uh, True Detective and Game of Thrones and most of the television that's out there. I'm telling you, there is a market for this, and there is, um, we need more of it. The art of the short story, since my superpower is minimalist, <laughs> these were awesome. They they didn't take long. They were really good for a plane ride because generally when you watch a movie on a plane, if the movie's not really kicking into high gear, you do tend to get tired head and either fall asleep or whatever. Um, but they're real short and there's nothing better. One of my favorite classes I ever took was creative writing. And this is just, I just like how they can establish the story in seconds and you just just sitting there going, yes, okay. You know, it, there's not a big backstory about what happened you know, years ago, and now we're in post-apocalyptic, and there are creatures that you just are watching and accepting everything that's being presented to you, and it's being presented in a way that is just gorgeous. The graphics are amazing. The different styles of animation are well presented, and then on top of that, you have some great short stories that you would, which again are shorter than your average uh, Twilight Zone but are equal in just to kind of you sometimes, sometimes you end the episode with a, yeah. And sometimes you, and it was a kind of the, the dog turning its ear going like, what? And then sometimes you're just like, you know, left wide open. One of the stories and, and the way they're set up is fantastic. So one of the stories, there's a couple moving into an apartment and they go and they look in the refrigerator, which is an old refrigerator. And when they open it up, it's all frosted over and everything. So they start pulling ice out <clears throat> for cocktails. The gentleman takes the drink, and he looks in his ice cube, and then under a micro or a magnifying glass, and it's a woolly mammoth with spears in it. 
that's suspended in this ice cube. So they go back to the freezer and they look in there and there's a whole sil sil, sil oh god I'm here we go I'm gonna get I'm gonna get civilization thank you they're living in the ice and the weird thing is is they're on so that's weird already right I mean on Todd's scale of weirdness where's that rate eight right right behind how you just stumbled over all those words <laughs> thanks I appreciate that. <laughs> So, you know, again, couple moving in. Boom. There's your first step. Second, there's a civilization living in their icebox. Okay. Now we find out that that civil... <laughs> okay, take two. That civilization is living uh, in an amped up or magnified speed um, or time. So you're seeing like structures getting built and they close it and they go back and open it later and they're in the medieval times and they close it and open it and it's in modern times and then it goes into the future. Again, nothing, you know, life changing at the end of these stories, but the people that write them and put them together, I, you know, just hats off to them. It's a fun ride. They're short, easy to digest, but you still can have fun talking about them. I don't know, on your podcast with your friend and co-host, and still your friends will look at you and make fun of you because you can't say civilization. But uh, Do you have friends? No. I, sometimes I lie on this podcast. <laughs> you know, Jeff, you bring up a really good point, though, about these kind of short stories. Yeah. Um, I've thought for a long time on YouTube, when, when I watch my kid watching all these people simply take a camera on their phone and hey guys what's yeah. up today i'm gonna do you know they're gonna i get that that's an internet personality but there are aspiring filmmakers out there yes. and what i thought is man no you probably can't afford to shoot one big film and, and get somebody to watch it on youtube yeah but somebody that was smart i've kept thinking i've kept i'm sorry there i just stumbled over i keep thinking that someone could tell a serialized drama in five minute segments yeah. and it can be done i think to this point you can make that content like this so maybe this opens the door for that way of thinking i'd love <clears> to <throat> see some people make their own stuff and actually put it out there and it'd be great yeah and, and i'm glad you said that and kind of kind of brought it back home because i was doing a little too much time explaining that episode but yeah i mean again i, I was doing it just to illustrate the fact that the the creativeness that takes and then to, and then to put together something short i think is so wonderful and then to do it in a particular art form um so well is is really good and i love any kind of short story that at the end kind of has a little twist so it's called love death and robots it's on netflix make sure when you watch it you know the you know eyes that are offended by peeing and vajayjays and boobies and stuff like that maybe don't catch it catch a glimpse at it because there's a lot of that a little little too much yes sir he's um, high five todd's high-fiving me no what's female going on? female kind listeners yes oh yes i'm Listen, I'm sorry that my co-host refers to the JJ's boobies. I I will try to help him understand that it is okay. Is it to say vagina and breasts? Okay, you I know really I... thought about saying tits or something like that, just to really, get, but I, I could bring myself right. to do it. This just in: the other kind radio shut down. Oh, by the way, I I did mean to tell you I was in a um I was in a uh, business meeting and I got to use 1920s uh, radio voice. Uh, joke and it went over very well, um, which, awesome. which was a good, good and bad thing because th it went over well. I continued to talk that way, and then I was asked to leave the meeting. So, uh, folks, uh, you know, remember you can you can you can go too far in comedy. 
All right, so resetting. Uh, we'll take it back. Love Death Robots, Netflix. Check it out. You will like it. Let's move on to center stage. So Todd and I were we we're having a little trouble in the pre-con meeting thing and about what to talk about and there's not a whole lot going on right now um now again all of that is uh perception because we do have march madness going on and i i have received some questions of whether or not we were going to talk about it and unfortunately i'm not i don't have a bracket i don't think todd has a bracket and while we like to cover all forms of pop culture, I think there's probably some better people out there that could really talk about it. I don't even know who's winning or if there's any Cinderella stories happening with, with the, the uh, March Madness. But uh, for those that are winning, great. Good job. <laughs> I don't know. Why am I talking to the teams? Anyway, uh, so we kind of threw around some ideas. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to go over a couple of quick movies that are going to be coming out. So to be in in the other kind radio form we're going to call it the bunny making spring oh nope that would be uh that would be a, a double we're going to call it bunny making film preview so it's your spring preview of some movies that are coming out right so we both agree that that ooh, that'd be fun then we start looking through the movies and i i can't find any really that i'm really excited about so we might wander here and there. It is the other kind of radio, but we're going to talk about some movies that are coming out. But the first surprise that uh, Todd and I discovered, or I discovered after Todd told me, is that for whatever reason, because Disney's remaking every movie that they've ever made, and I'm telling you right now, Aladdin still, still is a big head-scratcher for me, um, they have redone Dumbo, and it's got some good, some good actors. It's got, uh, looks at Michael... Uh, who was Michael Bat Keaton? Michael Keaton. Who else? Danny DeVito. Colin. Uh, Colin Farrell. Thank you. I mean, you've, you've got good people in there. Uh, Danny Newton from uh, Westworld. Her daughter plays one of the young kids. And you've got Tim Burton attached as the director. Oh, I didn't know it was a Tim Burton. Okay. It is. You know, and I, I, here's the thing. Tim Burton's a great filmmaker. That the, Here lately, he can't decide whether he's a great filmmaker or a good filmmaker. He's the one that put nipples on Batman. No, that'd be Joe Schumacher. Oh, I thought that was Tim Burton that put nipples on No, Batman. Tim Burton did the first two films, and they didn't have nipples. When Joe Schumacher came along, they had nipples, which notice, that's another conversation for another notice, day. notice, I have I no guess, problem saying nipples. Nipples. Let's see. We can put that in the J.J. Peen <laughs> booby talk, but not right now. That's our, um, that's our next podcast. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So, they remake Dumbo. They've got a good director, an experienced director. They've got experienced actors. And what's happening at the uh, box office? Well, it's called the big old Dumbo turd. All right. So what kind it's, of score is it getting? Uh, what, I actually looked at that earlier. Let's pull up. Yeah. Let me pull up a fresh instance. You're listening to the other kind Tomatoes. radio bunny making movie preview for 2019. I'm Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. That's Todd. He's another host. I know you can't see him, but I can. Um, and we're talking about some movies. And, and before we get into previews, uh, Disney's remade Dumbo. And do you have your information or... Yeah, it's okay. it's sitting at a really average fifty percent mm. rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. With a lot of the a lot of the reviews that I read kind of fall under this headline that I see here on Rotten Tomatoes. Dumbo is visually impressive but falls a little flat. Um, 
then the next one is it fails to take full flight of course they're all going to have to say that um but you know here this is a review from the guy in the new yorker yeah Uh, so a respected film critic i was psyched for the reteaming of keaton and burton who together cooked up beetlejuice and two of the better batman films but the chemistry sad to say produces no magical brew i think it's not even so much the chemistry there as that what you hit on we're retelling stories we've already told and it's the funny thing is, is that whenever I took my daughter to see the reimagining of Cinderella, which began this odyssey of remaking, and that was made by Kenneth Branagh, I remember turning my wife going, wow, they actually found something in here yeah. that I didn't know was there. And, you know, they did a great job. So I guess you can remake these films, but it just wasn't. I don't know. You need to redo every one. Exactly. And especially a, a, a story like Dumbo, because I, I do think the storyline is is an area where you can have some some play and some leeway when it comes to retelling it. But, I mean, Dumbo's about a circus elephant with big ears that learns how to fly. That's what I remember. I don't remember any other real, you know, page-turning or earth-shattering discovery in that film. And, again, I mean, and, again, I'm older. Um, I, I know that n- none of the young kids I know – um, Luke or Max were interested in all in this. It was a huge, this was a hard pass for them and, and wanting to see it. Um, so again, it, it's just a curiosity to me how you can A, miss, mess up a story that's already been told and then, and then B, be surprised when, when it's not a huge hit and, and it's not received, you know, well. And it's a, it's a sad train. Now I know again, like, uh, Star is Born, that's the third, time that it's been you know reshot and remade but i i mean we run out of stories to tell i don't think so I, have, I have think you heard you the one do. about the 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 couple that moves in and finds a civilization in their freezer sorry <laughs> you know i but i think that you can remake films like a star is born i think you can remake things but you have to bring something new to it you have to right. find a reason to make it you know at least with bradley cooper he could look and do an examination of what we do in the star making machine where someone comes along and we homogenize them and put them on billboards and they're no longer the essence of the person that originally was on stage you're saying something about today's culture with doing these they don't feel like you're tapping into anything it feels more like we're going through the vault of ways to make money so that when kids come to the theme park they can identify with these characters again right and then in getting into our spring preview and i know this movie's uh not uh scheduled to come out anytime soon but talking about a remake uh or maybe not but i mean where does joker fall in line with this i mean obviously uh we were introduced to him in uh again i think a non-nipple batman version um and uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I know he's passed, so I feel awful. The guy Heath that, Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger, who was great in uh, Brokeback Mountain and everything. And now, for some reason, they're wanting to make a movie about the Joker. Now, qu'est-ce que c'est? Why? I mean, and it does have, it has Todd Phillips, which you, you're the movie encyclopedia, so you'll be able to rattle off some movies that he's done. And then, you know, it's got De Niro in it, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. So, I mean, there's some power hitters in there in this. But again, are we are we just remining for story or do you feel like this is actually going to be something that's fresh and new and worth doing? Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with doing Joker because there's never been a Joker film. Right. I just got They've confused. Never had was, that, yeah. and you're you're tapping into it. And I think one of the things that DC is trying to do, 
you know, we, we touched on Shazam, but when we were getting into this in the pre-pro of yeah. films that we want to see, and I'm very excited about it. I grew up watching that in the 70s on the horrible Saturday morning TV show. The reviews have been outstanding and calling it a superhero version of Big. Ooh. So I think that if you can find a spin for these kind of things, and it, great. You know what, right. Disney, if you can find a spin for Aladdin, by the way, that doesn't involve me seeing Will Smith in a movie, just oh. a side note. Oh. Um didn't make your movie do it find yeah. a new I, again i thought the cinderella thing it, you watch that version of cinderella and at the end of it it becomes about forgiveness and you right. know cinderella is oh. never about forgiveness it's about looking at the evil stepmother and hating her and in I this version cinderella size. forgives yeah so and, and you know to todd phillips todd phillips makes the hangover and can i see oh. how that style of comedy could possibly lend itself to the joker maybe the joker's gonna get married and he has a bachelor party and then at the very end he's gonna have pictures of people knobbing him in the elevator whoa (laughs) hey you brought the jj's into this and i just say knobbing right we're just gonna have to rate this uh not safe for work all right so shazam i think i remember seeing the cartoon but i am not i don't know anything about shazam you see it's getting um um good uh, reviews directed by David F. Sandberg. Who, what has he done for us before? But that, honestly, I I don't have in front of me, Jeff. Mm, okay, I'll look real quick here. If I've you've got, the, got I've got the link. So it looks like he's done. Um, Vad. Oh, okay, that's from. Okay, Lights Out. Oh, that's right. He was the Lights Out director. Annabelle, Closet Space. Well, Lights Out was enough of a wow for me to make me want to see just about anything he wants to do what's lights out i'm not even familiar with that that i'm gonna flip over so i can actually read the imdb description i'm way ahead of you rebecca must oh don't do that okay rebecca must unlock the terror behind her little brother's experiences that once tested her sanity bringing her face to face with a supernatural spirit attached to their mother it's it's a film that surprises you that's all i'll say i don't want to betray it to anyone but it is not what you think and the best horror films i always tell you have a nice message beneath it and it has that message now it only gets 6.3 um stars on imdb but i'm going to tell you i my opinion why it does is because it's it's ending is shocking it's a scary movie Yes, it is a very scary movie. So I won't ever, I won't ever watch it. But yeah, but okay. it's but it's handled very well. Right. So he's he's got some chops when it comes to directing and and I, so what is Shazam is and, and what's his story? He can fly. He can. Well, Shazam is Billy Batson is a little boy, and pretty much in all of the, at least of the recent Billy Batson type stories, he is. He's uh, in the foster system ah. and is sort of feels passed around, doesn't feel like he has an identity. And he stumbles upon an old man that, you know, he doesn't know to trust. And it really does treat it like the little kid is almost like, dude, I'm not going anywhere with you. You're a dirty old man. But the old man takes him in and, and he bestows upon him the power of the Greek gods. And he Shazam oh. basically lines up with the names of many of the gods, and if he will say the name Shazam, he will have all of their strengths. Right. And yeah. he transforms into the superhero, but what they've done well, and if you read the current Shazam comics, they play on this too. He's still little, even though he's a big superhero, he's a little boy inside of it. Gotcha. 
And so that's why if you watch these trailers, a lot of people were very off put by it, including my wife. She's like, that looks stupid. I'm like, you don't understand. Right. And I have a feeling it's going to pull this off. And like I said, it's sitting at about 93% approval Ooh. with a lot of reviews in on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and all of them saying it is a spirited superhero version of Big and that Zachary Levi, who plays Captain Marvel, which is the weird thing. He's also Captain Marvel. Um but he plays Shazam. They say that he is the absolute star of this, much the same way as Tom Hanks was in Big. Awesome. Well, you've you've talked me into it, as you often do. I'll be interested in, in seeing that. Shazam, and that's supposed to come out... Next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. I was gonna, April, April 5th. 5th. Gotcha. So this, this whole page is April 5th. So while I'm watching Shazam... Shazam You'll be seeing another remake. I mean, I guess Shazam isn't, but another remake that's coming out that uh, is definitely worth talking about. But again, I'm like, why? And that is uh, the new edition of Pet Cemetery, directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis uh, Widmire. So tell us about this. So that's basically right now uh, sitting at 85% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's based on the Stephen King novel which follows a doctor, his two young children, and wife moving to a new area in Maine, which, go figure, most Stephen King stories take place around there. They discover a hidden burial ground and under, come to find out that it has powers to restore the dead. And I won't say anything more if you don't know what happens in it. Yes, they do twist the novel just a oh. little bit, but they actually have they have real reasons for what they, what they change. And when you hear it, you go, okay, that makes sense. Oh. Um, but... The trailer alone, I, I will often show these to my daughter and go, you want to see it with me? And she was like, no. <laughs> She's like, that looks terrifying. So I know Jeff won't see no. it, but I cannot wait. Okay. Well, I mean, hopefully it'll be good. Uh, and you're, you're going to try and go see that on the big screen? Uh, I probably will, but with my new rules at hand, which are go in the morning. Okay. So when you go see a scary movie like this, do you change your snack plan? Never. My snack plan is always consistent. Popcorn. Yep. And a Diet Coke. Butter? No. None of that butter on there. No, it's I like to be a little healthy extra butter. salt because I do like the salt. Yeah. It's supposed to be healthy butter now. But Is it? I don't know. Is there such a thing as healthy butter? Oh, I can't believe that's butter. You oh, wait, no. <laughs> You've called my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Pet Cemetery, Shazam. We don't even really want to get into Aladdin. Um, I can't. I let me put it this way: with Aladdin, I haven't been. I have not been able to make it through a preview. I kid you not. Like I, I amped myself up, put it on the computer, and I had to turn it off. I don't know why it's I, bothering me so much. I, I, it's funny, Jeff, because I've done the same thing, but I forced myself to sit through it, and 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 I know I'm being unfair. I cannot stand Will Smith, and I admit that I don't like the guy. Right. I I feel like as I watch it, I'm like I'm such an unfair jerk. I hate this guy so much. Right. He's doing nothing more than what Robin Williams did, which is essentially playing himself and just vamping. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I just can't. I can't watch it. It looks terrible. Now I know my girls are going to make me go see it. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. I'll probably have to go see it as well. Um, okay, so let's get into the next one. You and I both kind of agreed we wanted to talk about this. I learned about it while I was uh, online doing stuff, and I saw a little picture of Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt leaning um, up on some things. 
And I went, hmm, oh, they've got a movie coming out. And then next thing you know, there's quite a bit of buzz about it. So we are talking about what movie? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm going to ask Mr. Producer, can we've got the link there. Can we play the trailer for the kind listener? Yeah, if you give a little tail of the tape, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. So basically you're looking at it. Quentin Tarantino, the story director who now has gotten to the point that whenever he releases a trailer, it will tell you this is the ninth film by, I forget what the actual number is, but that's his shtick is that he's now treating these as event moments when he makes a movie, but he's telling the story of an actor uh, and the stunt man that work together and apparently live together who happened to live next door to Sharon Tate, who was infamously murdered by Charles, Charles Manson's family. Mm. Um, it, it is a, a pretty typical way, in my opinion, of Tarantino touching on something like this. He's not going to just say, I'm going to tell Charles Manson's story. Not his kind of shtick. Right. Um, but it's a pretty clever way. And when you see this trailer, you know, when we play that back, You'll hear some of it. I, I beg everyone to go watch it because it's a great trailer. It really, it looks fantastic. All right, the player is ready to go, and uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to this. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right here on the Other Kind Radio. Zu meiner Rechten der Hauptdarsteller der Serie Bounty Lord, J.K. Hill, höchstpersönlich Rick Dalton. Und links ist Rick's Stunt-Double Cliff Booth. Also Rick, erklären Sie dem Publikum, wozu so ein Stunt-Double da ist. Schauspieler müssen eine ganze Reihe gefährlicher Sachen machen. Cliff soll mir ein bisschen Erleichterung verschaffen. Okay, did I screw up and play the German version, or is this really what's happening here? I really hope that I didn't get the German version when I did that, but it didn't say anything about German version when I saw it. All right. Well, is, do we, I mean, have you seen the trailer? Is it is it in English? Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. You're listening. <laughs> you're listening. To, we haven't changed countries, folks. Uh, let's just give it a try. I just want to make sure because it would be artsy farts if you did it this way. So we'll see. I, I will tell you this. Go ahead. Hang on, Jeff. Yep. That link that I put in there, is that the one you clicked? No, I just looked it up on IMDb. Go go hit the one in the run sheet. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't me. Good Lord. Uh, this is the other kind of radio where Jeff loves to play German versions. I know. Of I, and I'm like, oh, how cool is this? He's really getting artsy-fartsy. He's <laughs> Mr. Avant-Garde now. Yeah. That's, that's what I get for bringing up Tito's and, yeah, all that stuff. All right. Here we go. Well, uh, take two. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, English edition. To my right is Bounty Law series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick stunt double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> My hands are registered as lethal weapons. We get into a fight, I accidentally kill you. I go to jail. 
Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. So a quick, quick uh, ob observation. It seems Brad Pitt brought the same character from uh, Glorious Bastards to uh, to this film. Did you just oh hear God, that? There's the minimalistic Jeff. I'm just saying. Sounds very familiar. Thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Thank you. Great fucking All right. Um, that last scene was kind of powerful there with uh, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Has he won an Oscar yet or been nominated? He was nominated for his work and. Um he has one. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this story. He was nominated, I know, for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which is the first yeah. time I ever saw him when he played the mentally challenged mm -hmm. brother, and he was phenomenal in that. What did he win for? Did he win for uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Oh, that's what I just said. Okay. DiCaprio uh, Oscar. Sure. We never said we were good at pop culture. We just kind of know a little no, bit about it. That's why we have it. to actually look this up. He would no best actor. Okay, so he was supporting actor in 1994 with the best uh, best supporting actor nominee for eating Gilbert. Uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? <laughs> Ooh, folks, it's okay. Then he was nominated for best actor for The Aviator in 2005. 2007, he was nominated again for best actor in Blood Diamond. Which I think is a, little, a movie that's kind of overlooked. Um, I know I enjoyed it. And then he was nominated in 2014 for The Wolf of Wall Street for Best Picture. Ah, Best Actor in, yes, the same year for uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And then he won um, in 2016 for The Revenant. That's right. And I did think he was damned good in yeah. that movie. Yeah. So hopefully this will be another good nod uh, for it. I don't know how, what people's opinions are of him. I, you know, I guess he's been nominated a whole bunch of times and won once. So um, there you go. Yeah, but but the, look, Glenn Close has been nominated how many times and never won, and she's considered to be one of the best actresses working. So right, right. it has nothing to do with anything. Who's but. who's the one that's won like everything? Not Glenn Mel Close. Mel Street. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And she is phenomenal, but it's like seriously, is she the only one that can win? Right. So what what makes you excited about? Uh, should we go back and listen to more of the? Arbeit so beschreiben, Cliff. Yeah, das kommt ungefähr hin. I mean, what a dumb mistake that was, but that was awesome because I, I'm on IMDb. Why would they have? And it doesn't say. Hey, once upon a time in Hollywood, it says check the preview right here, but it doesn't say in German. I don't know. So another um, it's the ninth film by Tarantino. So I'm not the biggest Tarantino fan in the world. I really respect him. Um, yeah. I think occasionally he gets too self-indulgent. The funny thing is you mentioned Inglorious Bastards, which is a film that I absolutely hated when I saw in the theater. There were parts mm. of it I was like, okay, but when it gets into the whole almost Looney Tune cartoon aspect of the ending, I was like, yes. come on. Yeah. Um, then I went and see Hateful, uh, to see Hateful Eight, and I was like, ah, I don't want to see another 
Samuel Jackson, I'm just going <laughs> to talk like this. And he didn't. And I walked in. I was like, wow, I'm surprised. It's almost a parlor drama. And he's done a great job with it. So I never know what to expect. Yeah. This looks to be completely in his wheelhouse of let's put tons of irreverent references to a bygone era, lots of kick-ass music, funny lines. I do love the line that's uh, Brad Pitt speaking to Bruce Lee about what murder yeah. or manslaughter is. That is a great line. Um, Where he uses the I, same voice he did in Glorious Bastards, but yeah. Well, you know, that's the funny thing, Abby, that's still the same actor. Oh, wait, that's right. I'm talking not to my 16-year-old. I'm talking to Jeff. I think what has me most excited is that I I do like crime stories, and I've having grown up in the 70s, Charles Manson was, yeah. was a boogeyman to me, Yeah, as he was to many of our generation, and I find him to be very fascinating. I'm curious to see what Tarantino does with this because when you watch it and if you know the story of Manson, you know, we see Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. We know that she will be the pregnant murdered actress. We see a little glimpse of the guy playing Charles Manson, which is an interesting aside. He's also going to be on the next season of Mindhunter on uh, Netflix as Charles Manson. Oh, so he's going to be playing it in two places. So I'm just real excited to see what he does i may walk out of there and hate it like i have other tarantino films but i he's one of those people whether i love him or or hate it i still see everything he does yes and i'll check it out as well um i'm just glancing through here to see if there's any more that we're really excited about uh looks like there's a aretha franklin uh directed by alan uh elliott and sydney uh, pollock um which actually has aretha franklin in it um that'll be coming out uh next week um there's a movie called the public an act of civil disobedience there's a standoff with police when a homeless homeless people in cincinnati take over the public library um then there's suburban birds and Hellboys coming out on the 12th uh there's you got shaft coming in june 14th i know that's a ways off but you know there godzilla's coming there's tons of things coming there's another uh woman is transformed into her younger self at a point in her life when the pressures of adulthood become too much to bear. So that we got that in the recycle bin as well um, as far as storylines. Uh, but, yeah, we went through, folks, and looked at a number of these films. And I'm sure there's some good stuff, but there wasn't anything that, you know, other than what we kind of mentioned, that's hi- highly uh, um, interesting. Now, of course, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't include the Avengers Endgame, which is coming out April 26th. But that's kind of just a... Uh, I mean that's that's a given. Everybody's going to be interested. In that. Are you going to see that one in a theater as well? Oh yeah, I'll definitely see that. Okay. I, I did think the last one was very well done, so I, I won't miss it. I will probably bitch about the people that I see it with, but I'll go see it. All right. Anything else uh, movie wise before we uh, shut the shop down? You know, no, Jeff. I, I I guess right now for me it's the season of catch up on all the Academy Award nominated films I didn't get to see. So yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing. And, and for the kind listener, we want to note that I will be uh, the next week's show uh, will be on hold. It will be our 50th. So Todd and I will have some extra time to think about what we're going to do for the big 5-0 show. I will be out of town on business. So we'll uh, maybe have some guests on and, and uh, kind of talk about maybe the, the last 50 episodes and all that good stuff. Or we'll just find something else uh, more uh, interesting to talk about. 
but yeah that's pretty much what we got we we tried to go through and find some stuff but uh we've already eaten up about an hour and 15 minutes of your time so uh we'll just call this one now todd anything you want to throw out there for uh future show or anything uh, last comment wise well, just because Minimalist Jeff didn't allow me to answer, I actually do have a March Madness bracket, and I'm currently in first place. What? Who do you what? Have, who do I you... don't even know what I'm doing, and I, I'm in first place. Is the team you have uh, set in the final finals still in? Uh, so, I will tell you this. Of the final four, because that's where we are, right? Oh, are we? I don't, I don't know. I picked Duke, Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Of those, the only one that didn't make it is Kansas. So I picked the final four. Wow, seventy-five percent of it. And who? Okay, so you can you can hear it. Fo- you can hear it first, folks. Good lord, uh, who do you have in the final? Who do you have winning? And what is the score? I have well, I have Duke winning it all. Uh-huh. Um, they were supposed to go against Kansas, but they lost. So yep. Still, I it's I picked Duke the score would be 71 to 63 whoever they they match so at this point i'm kind of hoping texas tech goes there so that at least i got somewhat right there you go well that you know let's just leave it at that because when we come back in a couple weeks we'll be able to tell how well you will predict the final of march madness folks that's gonna do it thank you for your time thank you for listening to the show we will be better prepared in two weeks when we celebrate the 50th Five zero show. In the meantime, please fulfill. Please feel free. Good Lord, America, to subscribe. Yeah, yeah, because you want to subscribe to a podcast where somebody can't say feel free to. But uh, if you find it in your heart, uh, subscribe, like us, check us out on all of our pod catching technology. For Todd, myself, thank you for joining us. We are the other kind radio. The other kind radio. The other kind of radio.